Jace. Hi, Nick. It's good to be back. Um, it is. It's uh, again leading into some strange times in Victoria with um, the eve of another lockdown. Um, but we've got um, some um, good things to discuss over the last couple of weeks of footy. Absolutely. It's a bit a bit like deja vu here at the Edge of Suburbia studios. Um, it's becoming a, a recurring theme in a couple of drop kicks from the Witten Oval, the uh, um, podcast for the Western Bulldog supporters. Um, but um, those of us who live in, in, in Melbourne and live in the Western suburbs have um, copped a few uh, lockdowns. Um, but thankfully the footy goes on and the boys are on a, on, um, on a plane up to Brisbane for the next game. And we've managed to sneak in um, a couple of games in person in the last couple of weeks. So at least we uh, got to see footy live and uh, directly in front of us uh, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, a couple of really uh, telling games over the last two weeks, hasn't there been, Jace? We had the, the one against North Melbourne, the, uh, the I almost call it like the, the, the Brucey Cup, perhaps, or... <laughs> Josh Bruce uh, yes. Memorial Cup. Um, it, it had that feeling to begin with, but um, they certainly put up a bit more fight than, um, um, than was expected. And I think um, over the last couple of months since they've uh, played us on Good Friday, um, they've certainly come a ways um, in terms of improving their gameplay. Um, we didn't actually get to go, go to the ground at Marvel and join other supporters to see them in the flesh. Mm. Um, and that was a real thrill to be back at back at footy, back at yeah. our home of footy. Yeah, someone took my j- ticket, Jace. Do you know who that is? Oh, I couldn't couldn't imagine couldn't <laughs> imagine who that would be. But um, I'm very grateful to be there yeah. in a seat, um, in a um, um, right on the edge of the uh, the boundary to see the boys in action. Um, it was a, a you know a couple of rounds ago, the uh, Sunday Fourth uh, of July match at Marvel Stadium. Um, and certainly the doggies um, got away with a win, but um, it wasn't um, the same sort of win that we saw a Good Friday with a, a record 128-point thumping. A closer game, um, and certainly across the ground, particularly in the middle with contested um, possessions and clearances, uh, North Melbourne gave up a, um, a good fight, and, and uh, even though we got away with a the win, they ended up winning the final quarter. Um, but a good match uh, for goal kickers still, and uh, Cody Waitman was uh, fantastic with four goals. And Mitch Wallace um, got back into the mix of goal kicking with three um, as we uh, ended up winning 29-point winners, 16-12-108 to 11-13-79. And it was really good to see uh, Mitch Wallace uh, really getting back into the into the goal kicking situation. He was a great um, great target for us last season um, in that sort of sort of hole that we had. Um, and get it, with him popping up with, with three and... And Cody Waitman, who's turning into a big, big, big fan favourite. Um, well, he ended up being the, the centre the center of uh, focus for the Doggies during the game. And uh, I think Bebo set him up uh, to give him the space he needed to, mm. to have one-on-one contests. He's a strong mark um, and he's uh, accurate in front of goal um, and certainly gives a bit of cheek uh, to yes. the defenders nearby. I think during one of the post-game interviews talked about uh, talking a lot to the defend defend defenders he's playing on and telling them the things that they want to hear about what's happening in the game. Um, he gets very very cheeky with them and often gets a, a little cheap uh, free kick here and there, mm. uh, which is quite helpful. But um, he was a real live wire in the first quarter and set the game alight for the doggies kicking three um, and taking uh, a couple of really strong contested marks. So I think they cleared the space for him. They certainly had um, Norton and Bruce out of the way and sometimes resting on the bench. Um, but certainly he was the live wire that got the doggies off to a good start and they um, certainly jumped to five goals to three goals at quarter time. Um, but a lot of signs of life from North Melbourne, particularly in the, in the mid-zone with our competitive in, in clearances, 
um, and um, competitive uh, for all the hardball gets as well. So Ben Cunningham um, um, kicked a goal and um, certainly was a bit of a, um, a ball magnet and a, a ball winner for, for them and um, he's a hell of a player. Um, and certainly it, um, it um, was a really tough contest. It wasn't the, the walkover that we'd experienced uh, a number of months ago on Good Friday. No, and that, that's that's quite the case. Um, and uh, Todd Cold, uh, Goldstein was uh, pretty strong in the centre as well. Uh, yeah, well, he's a bit of a legend, isn't he? Um, he's a, um, a real um, um, long-serving um, ruckman in, in the AFL, and um, he's a, um, a great um, um, competitive marker as well, mm-hmm. contested marker. Um, he um, um, led the way with hitouts across the whole day, and, and certainly got the um, the score um, on the stats for uh, winning the hitouts uh, during the game. And uh, he's a he's man mountain. Um, he is absolutely. He, he is. He's a big big player and a big influence on on that, on that game too. And uh, it, one of those little um, little bit of stat situations, he's coming up to be the all time tap out um, leader. So uh, that's that's a pretty big thing. That's been um, just sort of shows the sort of the, the the ability that he's had for the for normal yeah, longevity and, and yeah. influence over games and um, he's a huge 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 ruckman and mm. he certainly knows how to work his body in the contest and as I said a great contested mark as well. Yep. Um, speaking of marks, um, getting near the end of the second quarter, um, astronaut forgot to take his helmet. Um, it's terrible terrible um, scenario. It was one of those um, scenes where he would lead um, far up the ground to mm. to sort of put a bit of a, a stamp on the game and try to get a contested mark to sort of uh, win, win the ball back for the doggies. Um, got up quite high on a marking contest, uh, but came down very hard, and uh, I think one of the North Melbourne opponents fell on top of him as well. Um, was quite groggy and, and mm. certainly could, um, caused a lot of concern and, yes. and worry with the doggies fans at the ground at the time. Um, and certainly, even though he looked like when he was coming off the ground that he wasn't groggy, um, he went straight down to the rooms and he was subbed out for the rest of the game. Yeah. So, um, real disappointment. Um, he's, uh, you know, um, you know, he's not called astronaut for no reason. Uh, but certainly, some of the um, some of the falls that he gets from those heights are a bit, a bit of a worry. And the Marvel Stadium turf, that's not very, um, I guess, nice to sort of fall on. It's a bit, bit firm. They say. I think it's always been a firm ground to land on. And well, either that or it's um, it's uh, it's coming away at your feet and you're, you're slipping yeah. and sliding. But no, <laughs> um, when you're coming from such great heights and he's got a, such a great leap, and um, unfortunately he sort of landed um, head first and hit the ground hard. Just the nature of his, you know, reaching for the ball in, in a marking contest, um, trying to you know take those incredible pedestrian marks. So um, it was just an unfortunate um, incident in the game. But with the way that we deal with um, head injuries now and concussions. Um, that meant he was uh, likely to be a, a miss for the, the following week's game, which was an important one coming up, which we'll discuss. Yep. Um, the doggies um, throughout the you know the second and third um, quarter have a bit of a slugfest. They they got away to a um, a good break at half time, uh, sixty points to thirty three, and then traded goals in the third quarter um, um, with Waitman adding his fourth for the day. Um, but North Melbourne's midfield was strong all day and continuing to to win their fair share of the centre clearances and the clearances around the ball-ups as well. So um, certainly they were um, uh, impressive in their improvements since we'd last played them. I think their, their main failing still is their um, effectiveness with disposals, um, turnovers, mistakes. Yep. Um, and there was costly uh, kick-out from goal, which Bailey Dale intercepted and 
and then ran on to score an incredible um, um, uplifting goal um, around that time as well, setting us up um, for a uh, 39-point lead in the final change. Um, interestingly, we had made a bit of a prediction um, about what we thought the uh, winning margin would be, and we talked about 40 or 50 or, or 60. 60. Yes. Um, and it, was, it felt like it was heading that way. I thought yep. the doggies, even though they were um, having a battle in the mids and, and for contested possessions, um, they still had a lot more class and a lot more... Um, uh, effectiveness in the disposals and um, scoring um, to um, pull away from, from the Kangaroos. But to the Kangaroos' credit, the last quarter, um, they bested the doggies and um, kicked three of the first four for the final term. Um, and it was only um, um, a steadier um, from Wallace that, um, uh, a number of steadiers from Wallace, which actually sort of um, sort of sealed seal the game. Um, but certainly did, we, we didn't end up with uh, the big victory that we uh, thought was coming. Um, I think there might have been a few interesting um, times that Wallace could have shared uh, um, some of the some of the goals during the game, but um, I think he was yeah. very focused on uh, some, delivering some goals. During some the may say that it, it might have been a, um, a forwards move to keep a position for the for the next week, perhaps. Um, um, well, you can't you can't knock him in terms of uh, his um, attack on the ball, um, his efforts to support his teammates. Um, and he's lifted his energy um, in his, um, since he's come back. Um, and certainly when the ball is in the contest in the forward line, he is uh, a dogged defender. So um, um, you have to give him a bit of credit. And um, I think he's pretty thrilled with um, his, uh, his effort on the night. I think there, was, um, there might have been a moment um, also with McRae um, heading towards a, a record in terms of consecutive weeks for 30 disposals plus. Yep. And I think it was hovering about 28 or 29 late in the fourth quarter. And... There was a number of fans in my section of the, of the ground really willing, willing him to get kick it, kick it to McRae, kick, kick, kick it, it to kick him, kick it to Jackson, he, kick he, it to he, Jackson. He we get that record, and eventually yes. he did. Yeah. Um, and what a what a um, what a run of performances that he delivered up to that point in time. Anyway, just incredible. I suppose the nights really was about Cody Waitman, and and certainly um, Beveridge loves a little goal sneak in the forward line, and he's always um, looked um, to try to find someone who at the fall of a ball, could could get the ball and kick goals as a little um, forward sneak. And what Waitman does is he adds a contested mark to that mix as well. And he's got a great leap, hasn't he? He's, he's, yes. he's willing to get off the ground and take those big marks. Um, probably hanging around with uh, with uh, Norton a little bit too much perhaps, but uh, <laughs> but it is very good to sort of see that uh, we've got some you know, great youth coming through, especially in the forward line. Um, and some spark and some excitement. Yeah. A bit like... Um, yeah. And yeah. a little bit of aggro, a little bit of cheeky aggro from the young man, which is always good to see, and um, yeah. a lot of energy. Um, sort of, sort of reminiscent of uh, Clay Smith uh, in the... Yeah, he's got to remind you that bit. Um, mm-hmm. um, so best players, McRae, 31 disposals, 14 contested possessions, the Bont, 27 possessions, uh, Libertori, 25, Bailey Dale, 23... Waitman, 13 disposals, four goals, um, seven marks. And special note to Keith um, in the back line, 13 disposals, five tackles, six marks. And DeRay was great as well in the back line. Yep. Interestingly, if you look at the stats for the night, um, the Doggies were bested on disposals, um, bested on contested possessions, bested on centre clearances, um, and um, about even for inside 50s. But again, it was that um, superior ball using and disposal and efficiency with um, their work through the uh, connecting lines which was telling um, but certainly um, if you were a North Melbourne supporter you'd be happy with the improvement over time yeah that's right and they've, they've um, had a couple, some, couple of good weeks um, over the last couple of weeks and you can sort of see that their season is, is 
going to be finishing better than how it started anyway. That's right, and um, certainly they were very lowly with our record-winning win on Good Friday, but um, things are looking up for North supporters. I think they'll go to the trade table and try to pick up some good mids um, yep. and then some maybe some other tall, tall targets down in the forward line. Yeah, you, um, have to, you have to sort of wonder have the uh, the Ben Brown um, absence, what what how that sort of affected their dynamic of resetting that forward line. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's always a bit of a struggle to sort of do that, I think. It is. They, they showed... Target. Yeah, they had... Um, Zerhar was great on the night. Um, he was um, really impressive with his work in the forward line and goal kicking. Um, but he needs a bit of help down there because yeah. he just can't have a one-man show, as we know. Um, you need a double or triple-headed monster to sort of worry the, the best defences in the league. And um, North isn't there yet, but they've got a lot of good players that are showing a lot of um, spirit in... Um, it looks good for them for the, for the years to come. Yep, absolutely. And let's uh, let's move on to round 17. Uh, following sat- uh, Sunday, we're off to uh, Marble Stadium once again. We had uh, our game against Sydney, noting that their jumpers were very South Melbourne in their look, quite white with a big, strong red V happening. Trying to appeal in the away strip to the the old old time and still still making them. Making the way around Melbourne streets or something. Yeah, so so much with that, it was uh, even the the cheer squad were were chanting South Melbourne, South Melbourne. Mm. So that was a bit bit of an interesting sort of twerk with that. Anyway, it was a, a big game for for the dogs. Mm. Um, it it was to solidify that top spot was on uh, was available for us if we were victors. Uh, for Sydney, they were pushing to try to get uh, more consolidated in the eight. And it was uh, the introduction of a, of a certain number one draft pick, which everyone's been calling. When are you going to play him? When, when is he going to be picked? Oh, you've got to trade him. He's got to trade him. Give no, him to Hawthorne. Trade Hawthorne. We'll take we've him. heard the terrible stories that the media yeah. have sort of made up about it, but it was a real exciting um, announcement for the Doggies fans and, and across the footy world in terms of the number one draft pick um, getting um, picked to, for his first game. And um, what a stage um, to step up and take Norton's spot with him summed out with his um, concussion. Um, and then also to play in front of his childhood hero, Lance Franklin, at the other end. So a real thrilling day for Jamara. And certainly Doggies fans were very pleased to hear his and making the, And there was a lot of excitement um, whenever the ball was going towards him for the game. Um, and and there's a bit of a question about what, uh, what are we going to call him? What's, what's our name? What's our nickname for him? Mm. Lots have, you got, have you got some uh, suggestions? Well, there was uh, was a, there was Mara, there was uh, Jama, maybe or Hags like chocolate, <laughs> um, and there was one floating around for uh, Fev, but I think we'll just sort of keep that one for him and and uh, little Miss Fev as well. But um, so ins we had uh, maybe son of Fev. Son and Laura Fair, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, ends we had uh, Eddie Richards making his way back in. Yeah. Um, like I said, um, Jamara making his uh, debut. And Lockie McNeil was uh, brought in as well. He was used as the Medi sub for that game. Um, our outs, like we heard, was uh, Astronaut with a little bit of a concussion situation, 12 day protocol kicking in. Uh, Lipitsky was omitted and Toby McLean was omitted as well. And I think with Toby, it might have just been a little bit of managing as well. I think coming back from a um, you know big knee injury, um, it takes a bit of a toll. I think on the uh, on the big stage with the tempo that you sort of go with. What do you think, Jace? Um, well, he he proved himself in training um, for, for um, to um, grab that spot, and as you said, um, didn't get the opportunity to do a lot of match fitness 
through the um, Footscray uh, VFL side. Um, so it's always a concern about um, putting guys straight into the highest level and expecting them to perform week after week um, at that level. Um, so it might be the case that um, it, you know he just um, hasn't maintained that high level that he did in his first game back. Mm. Um, but hopefully, you know, with a bit of a rest and a bit of a run in the Footscray reserves, he can get another opportunity in the future because, the, you know, when he d- does get a sustained um, run of, of high performances and good games, he's the, he's the key part of the team. Yeah, but no, that's that's the case. I'm really excited that he sort of brings to the game and his ability to drop his shoulder at, at specific times as well is always very helpful um, in the free kick count. So the game started off uh, with a little bit of a bang. We had uh, it was almost like uh, you know a world record uh, in the amount of time it took to kick that goal. Wasn't it? Yeah, that flat round on YouTube. There's a there's a little clip. It's, someone's collected all the fastest mm. you know, kicks at goal after the first bounce. And Bailey Smith had a bit of a goal and had a go at it. He you know, took the ball, got knocked down, pass, pass over to him, just just touching the bazooka. Yeah, just touching the uh, the centre square mm. line. Gave it a big roost. Players weren't too sure if it was going to make it all the way or not. And uh, within 18 seconds, the dogs were on the board with six points. Incredible, and incredible, um, thrilling start to the game. Um, um, it it, it uh, sort of um, put a bit of hope that the, the game was going to be. Bit one-sided, but wasn't to be. No, absolutely wasn't. Um, and then soon after that, uh, Florent uh, from Sydney uh, responded uh, to um, to level the scores once again. There was a bit of goal trading happening in the first quarter with James Bell from the Swans and Mitch Wallace going at it as well. Uh, then Eddie Eddie Richards um, got got a um, quick kick at the goal uh, through play, and that put the Dogs into the lead. Uh, getting near the end of the quarter, uh, Jordan Dawson popped up with uh, two goals, and he was turning in a bit of a bit of an issue for the Dogs. I think he was just sort of getting a bit bit away, and with those two kicks, put the Swans into the lead. And for I think maybe the second or third time, the Dogs went in at quarter time behind, and, and we don't quite uh, go too well when yeah, that it's happens. It's a bit of a shock to the system to see the Doggies not in front on the first quarter. Um, it felt to me, um, watching the game, that it um, had a bit of a feel of the, the Melbourne recipe in dealing with doggies. So, um, um, high tackling pressure. Yeah, tough in the middle, yep. Yep, um, yep. Um, force the doggies to, to go wide, clog mm. the middle, um, and, and limits the, the ability of the doggies um, to, to move the ball forward. And in trying to go back, they put a lot of pressure through tackles and in the intensity of the opposition. Also of note is that um, Sydney are a very quick side. They've got a lot mm. of young young players coming through incredibly fast, um, and that's always a bit of a challenge for the doggies. Melbourne's the same, quick team. Mm. Um, so it had that kind of um, that kind of feel. So knew from the first quarter that it was going to be a, a dire um, struggle all day. But then the doggies certainly weren't going to give up um, and would be thereabouts. But it was just very telling that. Um, they seem to use the same sort of methods that Melbourne used to try to uh, bring us down. Yeah, and that, that's one thing I was noting, noticing was that, that being pushed to the wings, we weren't getting that 45-degree angle across the, the centre um, attack, which we were using quite effectively um, in previous games. Um, and I think that was sort of a bit telling. And I also noticed that uh, with, with kicks going forward um, from the half-back to the, into the, onto the wing, or getting close to the half-forward um, pockets, uh, that it was lots of lobs up there. Mm. I think they were trying to aim for someone who perhaps wasn't there, and I think that was a bit telling. 
Well, it's also the, the kind of pressure they're, they're getting on their, their kicking as well. So they haven't got free reign to um, move the ball at will. So they're sort of, you know, left with a little option, but to lob it at times. But you're right, there's not strong um, contested marks and, and Bruce is on his own. Jamar is trying. Um, yeah. He's putting himself in the right positions, but he's just inches away from telling, um, uh, taking a telling grab or, yes. or kicking a goal. Um, there were a couple of chances which really got paths going with the Doggies fans in terms of um, his his opportunities and, and his willingness to get into the right places for the contest. Um, but just a little bit of nerves and a little bit of first game. Um, um, and, and maybe not enough grip on the fingers too, maybe. Well, not sure. <laughs> not sure about that. But um, he, I mean, he was certainly, he, he knew where to be and he, he put, put himself in the right positions, but just the, the ball didn't stick. Um, so it might be a case of um, yeah, hand out the grip out next time. Yes, I think so. So the second quarter um, was a really tough, uh, very close contested game. We didn't get our first real score until later in, in, into the into the second quarter uh, with Haywood and, and Dawson going, uh, getting uh, additional two goals. Um, then from there, uh, Caleb Daniel popped up with a little sneaky goal, bouncing off uh, Jamara's hands, um, which was a really good... Good way to go, and we were still in touch uh, halfway through the second quarter. Going closer to the end of the quarter, uh, we got a free kick for Anthony Scott, which he then put through. And going in at half time, the big break uh, was 7 4 46 with, with uh, the Western Bulldogs 5 5 35. So it was a very t- close game, 11 points in it at half time. There was a lot of um, focus, I think, on, um, I guess how the dogs are going to be moving ball out. One thing that I did check on my phone is uh, was the McRae count. Mm. He was at nine. So, yeah, so um, I, I think, again, um, that, that um, you know, win the battle in the middle, um, quieten down the, the, the ball winners for the doggies and, and you sort of get into the mix about um, winning the day against the doggies. So I think that they've done their homework mm. um, and they certainly had some um, serious... Um, Papley and, and Kennedy, some real serious hard nuts um, in, in the middle there, um, um, battling with our mids as well. So, you know, it was always the case that it was going to be a torrid affair in the middle, middle of the game if, um, if we couldn't get on top in the middle. Yep, so looking, uh, going into the third quarter, uh, Heaney got one really quick um, at the start. So that was sort of a quick goal at the start, which meant that the lead sort of stretched out to about three goals. Uh, then we had uh, Bruce, who'd sort of had a couple of shots at goal during the game, which had sort of sprayed a little bit, uh, but he was able to take a one-handed mark with a very strong contest against Jakey Lloyd, uh, and then went through to, to kick goal to bring the lead back to 12 points. Uh, moving on from there, we had, uh, after that, uh, Luke Parker popped up and got a goal for, for the Swans, and going to three-quarter time, it was about uh, 18 points of difference. So that was something that was... A bit of a worry, I think. Um, you, just from that three-quarter time, I, was, I wasn't too sure what moves the dogs were going to make to get that move, uh, that movement out of the centre, that control back in the centre, um, and to sort of see how we sort of went. I think after three-quarter time, a low-scoring um, quarter for both both teams, but yep. the doggies um, um, one goal to, to this one's two, so um, a very quiet. Um, um, quarter for the doggies in terms of um, scoring um, but I think you know um, Swans have put the screws on in, in terms of shutting down the doggies ball moving in that third quarter so it, it perhaps was perhaps our worst quarter of the day it looked like to me yeah I think so 
Um, so final quarter starts off and uh, Louis Young uh, was awarded a free kick in the forward line, um, but it was tough going leading up to that. Lots of uh, missed opportunities from both sides, lots of points being scored during that. And But with Lewis Young sort of coming through and kicking a nice straight goal, and it's great to see a long sleeve floating around. Yes, I have to say yes. That. and um, a hell of a, a great kick um, from the boundary. So And then first goal, I think, yes. for the Doggies as well. So yep. he was thrilled and under that kind of pressure, really impressive uh, um, kick and, and goal. Yep, yep, absolutely. And uh, move, then from there... Uh, Will Haywood sort of responded to that fairly quickly with a strong mark and and, and just extended the uh, the Swans' lead back to that uh, nineteen point margin. Buddy Franklin was having a bit of an up and down day. I wasn't. He was a bit of a, a sort of a floating um, monolith, I guess. Sort of the ball being kicked towards him. Did take a couple of good marks, but his uh, set shots were sort of spraying and, and going for behinds. But finally, in the last quarter, he was able to. Um, kick a goal. There was even, I think, it was even one which had to go to the arc, which they brought out Snicker because uh, they couldn't tell. It was a little wobble of the line, and then that was all it was. So it, I think it must have been a. Uh, well, the footy guy must have been smiling on him or something. I think so, but he mm-hmm. uh, he ended up getting a point for that. But he did end up uh, getting a goal before the end of the game. Um, and with the final scores being seven, uh, sorry, 11 13 79 to the dogs, 11 dogs. 8 to 12, 60. Um, some things that I sort of took away was that uh, that the centre, uh, that, that midfield pressure, we need to sort of be thinking about, I guess, breaking that up when we do get that really tight congestion. Perhaps we need to be looking at getting that ball out more efficiently. Um, and I think have, Jamara, I think, probably can get another go. Um, but there is there were some questions after the game about whether or not he was ready. Um, and I think when you sort of end the game with seven possessions, lots of bouncing off your hands when taking marks, there's, there's, people do start to look. And then you have the the, the, uh, the commentator sort of saying, oh, I don't think he was ready. But uh, you should have picked well, him. Well, I, mean, I think there was also comparisons to other star uh, yeah. AFL players and what they'd done in their first, first game mm. and first performance. And it was very similar. Mm. Um, stats and performances and, and you got to give him a go at a point in time yeah. um, that had done the right thing and, and, and seasoned him through all the games that he's played mm. in the, in the, the Footscrape AFL team um, the training regime that, that obviously put him in um, we're up to you know around, around 16 and um, you know he's done enough to, to have, a, have a go at a point in time um, and he's, he's only going to get better from, from the experience that he's had at this in at this game, you know, he's you know he he looked a little bit nervous, um, lacked polish, um, mm. but you've got to be impressed with his attempts at the contested marks and putting himself in the right position and his intensity around the ball was good. Absolutely, and one thing that I did notice that he was getting a bit of a bit of a rubbing from uh, a bit of what, a bit roughed up a bit a yeah, few times, yeah. But he was given it back, which was you know really good to see. Not trying to hide. Didn't phase him. Didn't no. phase him, which no. was really impressive. Showed a lot good of composure. composure. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So um, that that's good. And your first game, you always uh, get a welcome from your uh, respective defender. Yeah, we do uh, remember nineteen ninety seven. Welcome to the kennel. Yeah, something akin to that <laughs> on the other side. Um, but yeah, he just let it bounce off him. He's a big boy. Um, he's going to grow bigger and he's going to build up with a bigger body over time. Um, and I think he was just thrilled to be there. Um, and he's someone who, who tried all day, so you can't fault him for not, not putting in uh, during the day. So. Yep, absolutely. So we're good to see how he goes with his second run this week. Yep. Um, one last thing I think we need to point out is that the streak's over. 
unfortunately, Jackson McRae, 25 possessions. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, interesting in terms of that, um, you know, the share of the ball in the middle. Mm. Um, I think we got bested on the day and, um, you know, we kicked three goals for the second half and um, that's not going to win you a game, a footy against a, an outfit like Sydney. They're on a good roll. They're a quick team. They're a skilled team, an up-and-coming team. So it was a good test and I think it's a good reality check-in as we head into the final weeks of the of the season and into finals campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Jace. Now, let's talk about your little homework job that you... Well, I had an idea, Nick, uh, when we were talking about some of the former former um, doggies um, players and stars had gone to other teams and we thought there were a few of them out there. Yep. And the one that the thought was, could we actually pull together a full team of ex-Western um, Bulldogs and Footscray players into a team which would be the ex-Western um, Bulldogs football um, selection, team selection? And I did a bit of homework and I had a look through all the other teams and, and sort of gave myself some conditions to set up this team which would be yet to play for the Western Bulldogs and have joined um, another current AFL team and or he played for the, the, the Footscray VFL team. And I think I nearly, I nearly filled a whole team on that basis, but it was yep. a bit short. Yes. So I had to extend the conditions to get a full team. Okay, okay. yes. I think I, think I, I, I had eight, oh, I had 16 on the field, but that was about all I could get with former players. Yep. And you end up with a lot of ex-Ruckmans and ex-Backmen too, I've noticed. And you can only put them in so many spots, really. Yeah, well, that's right. You have to move them around a little bit. Yes. And uh, also, uh, it says something about the value of a forward, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. in terms of... Um, and, uh, and, and the mids. Um, and then, so, to, to fill, fill the team and for, for the sake of um, just a bit of a, a look through some of the, of the people associated with the club that aren't necessarily with them, it's the father-son trade prospect. There's one in there that, which we'll, we'll have a look at. And also looking at um, players who've been recruited uh, to play for other AFL teams, but who actually um, played footy locally yep. in the old traditional um, Bulldog zone in the western yep. suburbs. The old FDFL zone, the old Yeah, that's right, that's right. And yep. a, little, a little bit further, maybe Melton, I threw in yep. a few couple of there. Back as much, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't go all the way to the grand old um, um, recruitment zones in, in Gippsland or anything, yep. but I thought it'd be worth just having a good look. So... Um, if you, you just bear with me, we'll, we'll start with the back line, um, and we've got a player called um, Darcy Fort. You might not know, he's a very tall ruckman. Um, he's played eight eight games for uh, Geelong, um, and he was recruited um, by Werribee and Footscray. Um, he's one of many ruckmen that we've uh, passed over um, yes. over a period of time, but you put him in the back line. Uh, everyone knows Marcus Adams, uh, fifty-two game player for the Western Bulldogs, now the Brisbane Lions, former Premiership player. Uh, very strong, strong, strong backman. Um, still getting a, a good run with the Brisbane Lions outfits these days, and still a key part of their team. Has been struggling with injuries um, over recent years as well. Yeah, but he's he's a bit of a standout player. So every time you, you catch a, a Brisbane Lions game, you can always um, catch Marcus out there mm-hmm. on the field. Um, one I hadn't sort of known much about was Sam Reed, who's played 104 games uh, Western Bulldogs in um, GWS. Um, so he's someone who's a, um, a tall defender. Um, do you know much about so, Sam? So Sammy, um, Sam Reed was uh, with the Dogs. Uh, didn't, uh, didn't get much of a run with us, uh, but they did go up to GWS uh, to get a bit uh, more chances up there. Um, and he was actually uh, recruited and then sort of 
dropped and then picked up again and mm. dropped and picked up again. Had a, had a role within the, um, the football department with them. And then they said, oh, can you get, go for another run? Mm. Said, yeah, right. So he did get his 100 games uh, for playing uh, in, in the AFL just recently. Um, and uh, and that was uh, sort of, I think, the longest, one of the longest uh, time spans it took from mm. for a player to get to 100 games. So well done on Sam Reid getting mm. to that. Half, half, half back line, we've got a, a few uh, familiar faces. Ben Long, uh, 56 games for Footscray and now a regular fixture at St Kilda. Yep. Uh, most remembered for running through Jackson McRae in an elimination final. Oh yes, that was in right. recent years. Yes, that's why I think named Sniper. But he he also in going back to his VFL days, mm. I think he kicked like six or seven in a prelim final at uh, Port Melbourne to get us into the grand final. So right, yeah, yes. he's got a bit of flair. He's quite quick. Mm. Um, he's um, lost his way though. If he starts sniping any of our players, I that's right. Say. Um, Liam Jones, um, uh, former about, forward, former forward, yeah. Now uh, uh, celebrated ruckman, uh, sorry, backman That's for right. uh, Carlton. One hundred fifty-seven games for the Western Bulldogs and Carlton. Yeah, and we just didn't know that he had defensive skills in him. No, otherwise we might have kept him. That's right. We, we, we would have been great if another tall backman. That's right, lighting around, but he just didn't say, "Oh, I can go the other side." If you um, but he, he's um, quite a um, good player now for Carlton, and he's um, a key member of their team. Yep. Um, other half um, back uh, back line, Joel Hamling, Premiership player, eighty six games for the Western Bulldogs, and now with Fremantle. Yep. So, and we, I think we picked him up from Geelong. Is that right? I think. I'm not sure where he um, where his journey has taken him. Just in terms of his AFL days, he, he played for the Doggies and then went to Freo and was you know the key part of the finals campaign and, and the Premiership of two thousand sixteen. But following um, that Premiership, wanted to return um, back to WA. Um, so I think it was a case that um, um, we had him for a short time, but he wanted to go back, back home and, and be with his family and be with uh, the team back in um, in WA. Yeah. Um, uh, Centre line. Um, there's a few um, um, long-term players who you could make up a centre line of. Sean Higgins, 248 games, Western Bulldogs, North Melbourne, and Geelong. Um, still playing with Geelong. He's. Um, um, in and out of the team at the moment and um, he's having a bit of difficulty in front of goals these days and, and dealing with injuries. Bit of managing coming through with his role. Yeah, um, centre line, Callum Ward, um, 240 games, um, originally from Spotswood, uh, Western Bulldogs and then GWS um, and was part of their early recruitment um, setting up that, um, that dream team, um, GWS side. Um, interestingly, his nickname around the parts when he was at the Western Bulldogs was Concrete Head. Um, I'm not sure it was about um, his ability to get in and under to grab the ball or something, some sort of comments in relation to his uh, smarts. Yes, yeah, he was, uh, and notably he was uh, in that prelim final with a little bit of a knock in the head uh, and was subbed out, well not subbed out, but taken out of the game. That's right. Um, I think it was um, called his knee, which yes. might have inadvertently taking him out with a, um, a right on the jaw. Mm. Um, the other, um, finishing up the other wing is Jared Har- Harbrow. 261 games with um, the Western Bulldogs and now with uh, um, Gold Coast, um, the Gold Coast team, Gold Coast Suns. Um, I've, I've got to say I was um, heartbroken when he mm. left the Doggies. He was a real uh, favourite of um, of the supporters and, and had a lot of skill and flair. Yeah, very dynamic, very dynamic. Lots of um, just it's a pleasure to watch when he had the ball and just his efforts and... Uh, and he's sort of finesse and mucking around. He was having lots of fun with us. So I do miss 
he's one player that you're sort of you know, happy to see that he's up to that amount of uh, games and and he's had a quite a strong role during that time with them um, within their leadership department. Um, so that's a very strong centre line. That's um, well, it is. But I mean, these are all two, over two hundred game um, mm. champions of their respective clubs, and they're probably um, in the end, the end of their or twilight of their careers. Um, so certainly, you know, in, in the past, you would have um, had them starting up in in those teams, particularly Sean Higgins and Jared Harborough. Uh, but I think they're struggling for regular games at the moment. So um, yes, lot lot of uh, history there with those uh, particular players. And then we get to the half forward line, and this is where the um, the father son prospect comes up, which is a, a young lad called Darcy McPherson, who uh, might be the might be the son. Um, super. Yeah, he's the son of Super, mm. and he was he was looked. He was part of that that uh, that generation with with Tom and and Wally and, and all that uh, those players sort of floating around at that time. Uh, the dogs did pass on him, but he was picked up uh, on the rookie list by uh, Gold Coast Suns. And uh, he's at the moment at, at about fifty-eight games, and which is, um, you know, it's great to see that he's he's getting a good run and and, and enjoying the sun, up in the Gold Coast. Yeah. So um, um, so um, he's he's um, down as a interchange or, or sub for um, the weekend's game. So I'm not sure if we'll see him in action, but look out for him. Yeah. Um, Jordan Ruffhead, uh, um, I've got him here at um, centre half forward because I struggled to find a spot. We got so many rucks and so many backmen, I had to sort of find a spot to put him. But he's obviously working now. As a key backman for Collingwood, he played yep. 194 games. West Bulldogs Collingwood Premiership player. Um, he also was one of those players who um, was subbed out of the prelim final against GWS. Yep, that was a errant you know, knock to the eye socket. I think it was yeah, correct. Right. It wasn't. Uh, it was enough to get him um, out of the game, but not out of the, the match for the following week with the yep. Premiership win. Bloodshot eye. I remember that one. He's yeah. just that strong colour. That's right, and uh, a buddy of his you could probably put in the half forward line as well, Luke Dowhouse, 208 games for the Western Bulldogs and Geelong. I'm not sure exactly what his role is at Geelong. I'm a bit confused about what he actually does there. What, what he's, like a, is he, he's just a, a forward line hard nut. Is that his role now? I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not, not really too sure at all. He's, he's an interesting one. He's, um, I guess the way that, that he was used at the Dogs has probably where he was at, at in the middle, um, inside sort of, uh, player, uh, but whereas in Geelong that sort that need wasn't really there. Well, I guess with the, such a strong centre line of Selwood, and at that time I think Ablett uh, had just come back, and it, it, he probably just didn't have that fit in that spot. So I guess he probably rotates in and out, but he's probably more seen in that uh, that forward line for Geelong. Yeah, I think he might be the kind of guy that you want to assist in terms of getting the ball to other key forwards. That they've got um, triple head monster down there that we know of. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly um, at, for his time that he was at the Bulldogs he was much loved um, he was uh, um, um, a little bit um, demonstrative at the uh, game against the Doggies down at the, um, the Cattery recently trying mm-hmm. to just make sure everyone knew that his heart was really in Geelong after yeah. scoring a goal against us yeah well he was a Geelong Falcon boy yes, so was, uh, yes. once Geelong always Geelong um, and then I'm, I'm getting, I'm stretching, I'm stretching. The, this is where I struggled to find um, some additional players. Is so this condition number four coming in? Yes, yes. This is where um, I've got some local lads who have been picked up by other sides, uh, but um, um, uh, yeah, struggling, struggling at this point to fill fill the spots. Lockie Fogarty, um, another Spotswood player, thirty eight games with Geelong and, and Carlton. He's still performing uh, very well with the Carlton side. And the yellow forward pocket, 
um, Jordan Boyd has just been picked up. Um, 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 he's a Spotswood Footscray player. Um, and so he'll um, end up, Carlton I think he is. Um, so he'll end up playing in with another team and he's um, a good um, skilled forward as well. Um, and I put um, Jake Stringer at full forward. The package. I thought uh, 150 games, um, Western Bulldogs yesterday. He's playing an interesting role at the moment, which is a bit more time in the mid. Mm. Um, he's trying to get his fitness up. I'm um, still carrying a bit of a belly, but... Um, you know, which was always, always just something that, uh, that, that Bevo tried with him in, in 2017 to try to get him more, in, more I guess, match fit, I think, a bit more stamina, but um, interesting to see how he sort of goes. But he's still that mercurial gold sneak and doing some amazing fantastical kicks and yeah. you know, all that type of stuff he's st- that that sort of flair is still there with it him. is it is and um he's, he's got a good run, run of form at the moment but um i think it's a basketball background that he's had has meant his ability to maneuver around uh, congestion and a contest um, is um, at times mercurial um, and he's certainly in a good streak of form at the moment. I think he's trying to get, get into his negotiations for a contract renewal. Yes. Um, so his form's picking up. Um, but um, always done it does in the final year, does it? Before, <laughs> before that pen goes onto paper, <laughs> it's right. uh, it's the best six weeks he's ever played. That's right. Um, yep. Yeah, so into the followers. So yeah. So Ruckman, I'll put Tom Campbell um, down as the main Ruckman of the um, AFL um, Western Bulldogs team. Uh, Fifty-three games for the Western Bulldogs and now North Melbourne. Um, I put a follower, Will Hoskin Elliott, who's a North Sunshine boy, played for GWS in Collingwood. Yep. This is where I'm stretching the, the yep. rules a bit. 152, uh, 152 games. Condition four. Yes. yes. And then uh, I'm still at Lockie, Lockie Young. Oh, um, yes. 22 yes. games yes. for Western Bulldogs and North Melbourne. I, I put him as a follower, but he might not be home there, but we'll see. Um, and then if we're going to actually uh, you know, um, get the old boys into their respective roles, I've got Liam Cameron as a coach. Oh, yes. Former Bulldogs, 256 games for Western Bulldogs and for Richmond, now GWS coach. Um, but you can put him down as the ex-Western uh, Bulldogs AFL um, team coach. And then um, on the bench, there is a, uh, a number of different uh, fellas who've had local connections who've been picked up um, by other teams, haven't played uh, for the local uh, Footscray team or Western Bulldogs. Um, so I'll just run through some of them. Um, Connor... Manager, um, 26 games for Spotty, Richmond, North Melbourne. Um, Liam Duggan from Bacchus Marsh, 113 games for West Coast Eagles. Um, Christian Zera, there was in the game um, against um, the Doggies the other day, nine games, um, originally from Caroline Springs, now North Melbourne. Um, Eddie Ford, who's just been picked up by North Melbourne, he played for Yarraville, it's his first game, he was uh, emergency sub. Um, and then I've got um, Adam Kennedy, 126 games from Melton GWS. And Paul uh, Tazpatolis um, has been picked up by Geelong. He played for Yarrable. And uh, the granddaddy of them all is uh, a gentleman called Baka Hawley, who played 232 games, originally from Spotswood, um, which seems to be a go-to club for a bit of talent. Yep. And then uh, games uh, game for Essendon and Richmond. So that's, that's, that's the team. So, Nick, what do you think? Does it, do you reckon it could take on our team in oh, any way? There's some sparks. And there, there's some flutters, and then there's something else happening there. It's an interesting uh, sort of look at to see what who's floating around at the moment, who's been uh, touched by the red, white, and blue. Um, perhaps you could also, as an assistant coach, I just sort of picked up uh, Brett Montgomery, yeah. who's over. At, I think he was at Port Adelaide recently, um, and we've probably got a and probably a bit of a, um, a football department. I think half <laughs> of them are up at GWS as well, who have gone through the Footscray Football Club and the Western Bulldogs as well. 
So um, uh, that's a, it's a pretty interesting sort of position. It's the centre, going sorry, cutting down the middle. It uh, looks pretty good. Uh, those pockets are a bit light, but uh, but I think it, it's very interesting to see that uh, that that there is we do have potential, and we sometimes have to move on potential to get some more potential. I think that's the best way to look at it. Well, it's better to mix of the team, isn't it? But it certainly suggests that um, you don't want to get rid of um, a valued forward. Uh, we seem to um, push through Ruckman and Backman um, and lose those guys. But um, you know, when it comes to the forward line. Um, we certainly try to keep our talent, and that's, I think that's the thing also with Ruckman is that you, you, when they start off, it takes so long for them to have that sort of presence. Um, so it is a bit of a development situation. Eventually, sometimes yep. it just doesn't work work out, and and they sort of have to be sort of moved on. But it's great to see like Tom Campbell still uh, having a shot down at um, at North Melbourne. Um, I always enjoyed watching him celebrate when he was in the v, in the VFL with the Footscray team. Um, his sort of jumping around excitement, especially after a win. Um, I think there's some video footage of him sort of slapping the walls of, of the Port Melbourne footy oval um, <laughs> after a Bulldogs win. So um, it, there are some really, um, like I said, some great, really uh, great, great star, stars floating around, stars that we've had come through, stars that have continued on. Um, it might be my time to do a bit of homework maybe for next time, Jase. Yeah, I don't know. What, what, can, what can you come up with, Nick? Oh, maybe we can look at... Um, Maybe you sort of you've you've gone for current players, Florian. Maybe we can maybe go back about ten years or something. Maybe twenty years. I always sort of have a, a bit of a thing about the the nineties and the uh, players lost, the players, players lost traded. Yeah. The, um, there's some interesting stories about um, players being traded under the nose of the coach. I think as well. So there might be some interesting stories attached yeah. to some of the lost lads. Quite possibly over time. Yeah. So that that might be my homework, and I'll, I'll get back to you guys on that one. Very good. Right, let's uh, moving on to our player that we were going to talk about last week, but we went over that hour mark, and Jason said, "No, it's, it's my bedtime now." Well, I think we, we've got to keep the uh, listeners' interest, so we we've done a, a big take on on most heartbreaking prelim finals, nineteen ninety seven, and um, um, we sort of dived into that and went through the detail of the four quarters um, to share share that and uh, you know exercise some ghosts from past. Um, and we didn't get enough time to talk about um, some of the, uh, the Bulldogs of old. And the one we wanted to talk about was a key player in that game, is Jose Romero. Um, he was someone who, um, if, if you remember the game, um, carrying an injury in, into into the finals campaign, which was a shoulder injury, um, testing the soldier, um, shoulder injury at, um, at training, um, with Brian Royal trying to sort of prove that he wasn't fit for the game mm. um, and certainly someone even though he was injured still put in a real big hearted performance on the day um, and certainly um, you know in the final quarter um, you know um, could have won us a game off his off his boot so wanted to just talk about him um, he was um, a real part of that midfield mafia uh, and tough tough players for the doggies in that, that late mid to late 90s period Thinking of Romero and uh, Liberatore, Dimitina, yeah, and also um, Scotty West. So it was a real rolled gold uh, midfield and centre, um, and certainly part of the reason that came to be was because of Jose and, and his um, his dedication to excellence in, in training and fitness in his games. Um, he, he his life story is you know a bit of an unusual one for for what we would hear in, in, in footy, um, footy circles. He actually emigrated with his family from Chile when he was only about seven um, and grew up in uh, Broadmeadows and um, went 
moved um, to the country. He couldn't speak a word of English and was looked after by a couple of fellow students, but got to got to know his um, schoolmates and got to sort of um, fit in um, through footy, um, through playing football with his mates at school, um, and eventually um, became such a, a good young footballer that he was um, recognised by North Melbourne as someone who they could pick up. He um, played with Jakarta. Um, he was only a small 173 centimetre, um, 74 kilo, um, kilo, kilogram midfielder, but um, a lot of heart um, and um, great fitness and um, certainly a, a real ball winner. Um, he talks about footy you know, being part of the, the way that he came out of his shell and, and, and became quite um, you know, aggressive on the field or outspoken in other times. Um, he debuted with the uh, Kangaroos in 1987 um, and played 109 games uh, for the club before falling out with um, the coach. And that was uh, during the final series. He was, he was in the qualifying um, qualifying final and didn't sort of get much of the play and then was dropped for the prelim, I think it was. And, and I think that was about the time he sort of said, no, I've had enough with you, Dennis, and moved on. Yeah, I think he just got on the wrong side of Dennis and ended up um, um, you know, not getting the same opportunities. Um, and even though the, at one point in time they were great mates, I think once um, they had the falling out, um, um, Jose saw the writing on the wall and realised that he needed to go. So um, he thought that he might be picked up um, by another club, that he might be picked up by Carlton in the draft, yep. um, and was surprised to learn in '95 that uh, the Doggies had drafted him. Um, he tells a story about um, as soon as he found out he was, he was drafted, he was sort of caught up for a practice match, so within a day or two he sort of had to put the boots on and and play a game with a bunch of blokes he just met. Yep. Um, but he did, he did like being um, uh, part of the, the Footscray Footy Club. This is 95, um, the Doggies were outsiders. They were sort of coming back from some hard times, um, um, but they were tough players. And they certainly in the competition were out to be the hunters um, in, in the way that they viewed themselves and other teams in the competition. Um, he was someone when he came to the club, he was quite outspoken with some of the things, some of the culture and some of the performances that he saw at the club. Um, so he certainly called out some of his other teammates who he thought weren't putting in a training yep. or were, weren't performing um, in terms of being a team-orientated player in and around the club. Um, he did very well under Alan Joyce and, and Terry Wallace and, fl- and flourished in his midfield role. And as I said, you know, part of Scott, Scott, Scotty Wind and, and Scott West and Tony Libertore um, tandem in the midfield. Um, by 1996, he was one of our best players and he picked up the Charles Sutton medal. Um, ended up playing 211 games and kicking 169 games goals for North Melbourne and Western Bulldogs. Um, you remember him wearing his favourite number 36. Um, and he played probably two best years of his career at, at the Bulldogs in 96 um, to um, 97. So, you know, incredible performances over a number of years and, and really high um, ball winning abilities consistently over those years as well. Um, He's, uh, he, uh, first game played for the Doggies is 95, picked up 27 disposals and five marks. Not a bad day for a first game. Um, and one of his best games um, was uh, against Adelaide in 96. We had 34 disposals, two Brownlow boats, and a goal in a match against Adelaide. Um, he uh, was part of that Cinderella story in 97 um, and um, dragging the Doggies up from the bottom rungs of the ladder to a prelim and a, you know, and a, and a kick away from a grand final appearance. And as I said, he carried a, a terrible shoulder injury into the finals campaign and not in, in, into the prelim. And if you watch the, the replay, you can see him coming on and off the ground as he yep. sort of got hit by Jarman at a point in time and during the game. Yeah, during the second quarter and then, yeah. yeah. But he, 
can't kick him off, um, even though he's he pulled his shoulder out again. He's, he's back on the field after um, getting it put back in, and, and then he's um, got a job to um, sit on um, one of the key players for Adelaide for the rest of the game, and, and did a reasonable job, and nearly, as I said, nearly kicked the winning goal. Um, one fact that I didn't know, which I just sort of sort of threw me about his ability, and we know how he's well known for his fitness and his endurance, but he he said to hold um, the the AFL beat test record of seventeen point one. Now the average punter, the average um, high performing AFL footy player would get a fifteen or something, yeah. and he got a seventeen point one, and it's such a an amazing result for this yeah. test that it's actually compared to the greatest athletes around the world. Mm. You know the greatest soccer player around the world, the greatest um, Olympic athlete in terms of when they've done this test, they've been about the same mark. So there's this incredible result I saw for that. And it's just, and, and, and someone's going to ask him if that's, if, if that's the fact, because it, it, it gets repeated and it's actually, you Google it and it just comes up multiple times in multiple different sources. So incredible, incredible um, um, fitness record anyway. Um, he retired in 2001 following injury awarded a life membership uh, for his outstanding services to the doggies. Um, he was also an ambassador for the AFL Against Racism and served a stint as the club runner for the doggies as well and ended up um, a key part of the football department and served as a member of the board. So a real clubman and, and a real um, favoured son and well-remembered son for the club and still around and property developer and, and quite a happy man and with a happy family. So um, a great tale, but um, a fondly remembered uh, Bulldogs uh, footy player. Yeah, and I think when he put on those the red, white, and blue, he 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 became a bulldog through and through, and and um, and that's why I think he's got such a special spot in in a lot of uh, Western Bulldog supporters' hearts because of the effort and the tenacity and the uh, and I guess the, the 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 aggression that he would bring onto the ground and that uh, skill and um, he was quite an amazing player to watch. I do remember watching him down at uh, Optus Oval when the dogs moved over there in 97, 98, 99 and he sort of took over that ground quite well um, and just played some outstanding games there and extent, yeah, very consistent. Right. Yeah. Um, so he was a great player to sort of come and join the dogs during that time of, of great success mm. um, but not the, the ultimate success. And I think um, he, he might feature in a couple of the documentaries that we've been talking about as well. I think he um, makes an appearance in one of those, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he's in that uh, the year of the dogs. Yeah, he floats around that one. Um, any other ones? Um, might be Diamond Dogs. I think oh, might be Diamond, Diamond, Diamond Dogs. Which is really just Dave Hawkins talking to a camera. I think, but yeah. uh, he might he might get appearance in that too. Yeah, and I think there's one floating around with uh, Chris Grant, sort of reminiscing about 1997. Then he might pop mm. up in that one as well. Um, so yeah, he's a great player. Um, and I think that's time, Jace. It is. Um, um, we look forward to the game against Gold Coast coming from the weekend. We'll be watching it from Melbourne, locked down in Melbourne, but thank God the footy's still on. Um, and we'll be looking forward to seeing Dunkley's uh, return to uh, the field, yep. um, as well as Norton and Crozier. Um, so looking forward to all those boys being back on the field. So it should be a good match. And uh, they're playing an up-and-coming team who've got a, a bit to show. And yep. um, so we look forward to um, um, a doggy's win, hopefully, on the weekend. And suppose there's whispers that uh, Adam Trelaw is running. Don't know if he's running left and right, maybe just straight at the moment, but those further opportunities and the video footage look really promising. Well, I think he's up and about, which is good to see. Yep. He's on his feet and he's kicking the ball. Um, so um, hopefully, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and he'll get a game before the end of the year. Yep, okay. All right, uh, we'll call it uh, full-time uh, for episode nine of A Couple of Dropkicks from the Wet Noble. 
Uh, don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to us on all the good platforms for podcasting and also to check us out on our Facebook page, a couple of drop kicks on the wit- from the Wit Noble. Um, thanks, Jace. Go doggies. Go woof, doggies. Woof, woof. Oh!